music. And we connect a lot about music. And I know you got some special playlists and artists you listen to. Who is the, what's the band that's getting you through the week right now as you're working? Oh man. Well, for study music, I usually, probably my two top bands to turn to are both Tycho and Helios. Oh yeah. So Tycho is generally instrumental, a little bit electronic. He's gets, gets strong Lake Tahoe vibes <laughs> somehow through his music. Sunset Lake Tahoe. Yeah. And then Helios, it's heavy piano, instrumental, uh, but a little bit electronic. Okay. And I really like his stuff. He came out with an album during uh shutdown called domicile which is oh cool yeah so those are great because there's no words and when there's words i get distracted unless i know the song really really well Uh but you know me i'll when i'm (laughs) that's all you listen to music like that when i'm studying yeah uh that's just more chill Mm -hmm. but when it comes to actually writing my sermon so I, i what i do is i create a skeleton uh, outline of the sermon. And then mm-hmm. I write the sermon out. And when I'm writing the sermon out, something way more energetic <laughs> yeah? is on loop in the background as oh, I'm writing. Tight. Yeah. It's like a full, it's probably unhealthy. It's like a full <laughs> adrenaline rush, you know, kind of thing. So it could be, it could be something heavy. Yeah. Yeah. When you're writing. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's cool. Keep it nice and mellow during like the thought process. And when you're hitting it, man, yeah. You need those drums. Yeah, but I through. do like your musical taste. I always love running a band by you to see. I know. If you oh like yeah, them. me too. It's the best. I've been listening to uh I think it's just beats on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Just like lo fi beats. Yeah. And it takes me somewhere. I love it. Yeah, it's so nice. You know, beats are awesome to listen to and whenever I do it, there's something about I, I never got into the actual Dr. Dre 2000 <laughs> album, but the instrumental version oh, yeah. of it is so fire. It's, it's like nobody can beat it. It's so good. <laughs> it's so great. I love it. It's a nice little hack for all of you who are doing uh, writing projects. Keep it mellow while you're studying. Go hard when you're writing. I love it. Hey, Nate, we just wrapped up this work series. Yeah, man. I was curious just how you felt about doing a work series. Did you have a good time? breaking away from your normal yeah, kind of rhythm. Yeah. So I, I liked it on a lot of levels. You know, some people ask me about like, so are you this like a topical thing yeah. that you're doing? And it really wasn't that it was a, um, exposition of various mm-hmm. texts. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I was thinking about it today, having finished the study, you know, we looked at Genesis one, um, 26 to 28. We looked at Genesis three, 17 to 19. We looked at Colossians Mm -hmm. chapter three, and then we looked at Proverbs three, one to 12 yesterday. And one of the things I liked about it that was not really like an intention of mine was to the, that it was enjoyable to expose people in a shorter period of time to Mm -hmm. other types of scripture. So we started the Mm -hmm. year, for instance, in the book of Nehemiah, it took us 10 weeks to get through that old Testament narrative passage um, and next we're going to be in the book of Habakkuk and we're going to look at a prophetic section of scripture, then Jonah, a narrative section mm-hmm. of, of 
prophecy. Uh, in between there, we'll do some Psalms, you know, so that's a completely different type of literature. But <laughs> what we were able to do in the work series was quickly look at four separate passages of yeah. scripture that were all a little bit different in style. And it's good for people to get exposed to that. Like yesterday, talking about Proverbs 3, 1 through 12 and explaining to people, when you read the Proverbs, what you're dealing with is a book that's about building a life of skill. Well, that puts a tool in someone's tool chest so that they can be more familiar with God's word. So, uh, it was cool for me because I think like entering into it, I, I had a little bit of a maybe hesitation or a, a feeling like this is going to really come off like a topical series, probably because a lot of the research that I did for it came from topically Mm -hmm. oriented um, sources mm-hmm. where they're writing a whole book or a whole class about the theology of work. Um, but once I got into it, I realized, no, I'm going to select a text and mine the text for mm-hmm. the lessons I love that. about work from that passage. And as I reflected on it this morning, I thought this would probably be a healthy thing to do every once in a while mm-hmm. with our church because yeah. You know, we live in a time where I'm probably not going to have you guys for 15 or 20 years. You know, we, we all move around a lot, you know, so you could be part of our church for two or three years and never be exposed to any poetry, never be exposed to any prophecy or history. If we're not in those books, I mean, you could be here for three years and we might be like in the gospel of Matthew or something. And you, you, that's all you're really getting major exposure to. So it felt like a neat way to kind of cheat the system a little and get that. more exposure, but that's all secondary. The, the first thing, yeah, just the study itself. Uh, I just heard from a lot of people, you know, that said it was a real timely thing for yes, them. And I as you too. know, I'd wanted to do this series a couple of years ago and started reading a lot about it and thinking about it. Uh, but I'm glad that I waited because I think in God's providence, with COVID and just uh, times of upheaval and so many jobs just kind of changing and people thinking about moving and, you know, different things like that. I think this was a more timely kind of moment. I heard somebody say the other day that getting through the, the, you know, extreme times of COVID Mm -hmm. was actually easier than coming out of COVID. It's like coming out. It's just this, it feels like, um, it feels like being in middle school, just awkward, you know, like, how do we do this? We're trying to figure it out afresh, you know, and I think a lot of us feel that way in our work. So, uh, I heard from a lot of people who just said this was really timely. It put a lot of life back in my work experience, the mentality, Mm -hmm. nothing has really changed in my job, but my mentality has changed and that's changed everything. So, that was encouraging to hear, for sure. I heard the same things. It was almost like a reset for a lot of us, just mm-hmm. to remember what it's like to really be a Christian in the workplace and how to value our work and how to value people, too. And just to see that God's Word speaks to something as practical as work was so helpful. This last message you gave, Nate, was especially um, helpful for me trusting God with your work. And I just love the way you broke down from the Proverbs, these different ways and areas to trust God in our work. This first thing you talked about was trusting God with your character, which um, was really interesting to me just because, you know, you mentioned that 
oftentimes our Christian character in the workplace, we, we have a hard time sometimes knowing how to live out our Christian Christianity in our workplace. Um, we get told a lot of times we need to be aggressive and um, we need to move things forward really fast no matter who gets hurt in the way. Um, but the way that you broke this down to know that we need to be faithful Christians in our workplace with our character was just so helpful. And I was curious if you could talk us through maybe a few different character traits that are worth us fostering in the workplace as mm -hmm. Christians. Yeah. Well, the first thing that I talked about was just trust in general. You yeah, know, just and trust. And try to think about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, to trust the Lord with all our heart and to lean not on our own understanding and in all our ways acknowledge Him and He will direct our paths. But me being me, <laughs> uh, I have a hard time just being trite or giving platitudinal yeah. teachings. And I think a lot of times that's the way that passage is handled. Mm -hmm. uh, so for me, I wanted to think about the nuts and bolts and specifics. How do we trust yeah. the Lord? And you're right. The first point that I made building off of that trust is from Solomon's first four verses to his son mm -hmm. in that mini teaching where he tells his son, Hey, let loving kindness and steadfastness or faithfulness, mm. let them guide you, bind them on your heart, uh, or, or, uh, you know, bind them around your neck, put them on your heart, uh, adopt the character that I've been trying to teach you about here in the book of Proverbs, adopt the yeah. character of the Bible. And, uh, yeah, you're right. I think sometimes we think, oh, you know, the godly character, like it's just not going to work, you know, in my workplace. So some of the things we can adopt, I was talking to one, uh, young man yesterday, got a family, you know, and he's not uh, running his own business. He he's got people he's responsible to, uh, but he's got an important position hmm. and he was asking me for some tips on like work life balance. You know, yeah, how do balance. I balance my life? I got, you know, he was holding a newborn baby when we were talking, <laughs> you know, so this is a fresh love it. thing that he's yeah. considering, you know, how do I do this? Um, and a lot of, a lot of people are prone to, you know, just overworking and throwing yeah. themselves into it and everything. And so, you know, I was trying to give him personal specific uh, counsel asked him some follow-up mm -hmm. questions for his unique situation. But one of the things that we talked about was just, you know, when, uh, when I say you have to trust God with your character, yeah. what I mean is there's going to be times where you do what you know, God is asking you to do character wise, and you have to trust that mm. he's going to take care of you, even though it feels counterintuitive to your workplace. Yeah. So what we talked about there in his context mm. was the, the, um, subject of Sabbath mm. and how that for him in his current position is going to feel very countercultural wow. to the organization that he's in and working for. And I was just trying to encourage him. This might be an area where you're going to have to trust hmm. that God is going to take care of you, that the quality of your work is going to override the quantity of time yeah. that other people are pouring into the, their work. You're going to have to trust that in six days, God is going to make you more effective than people who give seven days. Hmm. 
And I, I think that's definitely an area that we could mm. say we have to trust God with our character, that we'd be people who know that it's important so to good. Sabbath, it's important to rest. We've talked about that before. I think another thing that you could do is you could kind of just <clears throat> think about workers that you admire in the Bible and think about what key attributes they employed. So mm -hmm. uh, yesterday we held up Joseph again as an example. So the part of his life we were holding up was the fact that he was caring towards others. Yeah, and right. specifically he was caring towards those beneath him in the power structure. So this is important. The natural way of man is to care about those above them in mm. the power structure in the workplace, because if I take care of them, if I'm thinking about them, then I will ascend also. Yeah, right. But Jesus had a spirit that, you know, obviously he's at the top of every food chain that mm -hmm. there is. And so he's always willing to come down and minister and incarnate for us. Mm. So I think that would be a, a great uh, character uh, trait to grow in is a caring or loving demeanor yeah, towards totally. other people in your workplace. Uh, you might think about, you know, as we're just kind of scanning like characters in my mind, mm. like Esther, what she had going on was a willingness to um, put her own life even on the line to speak up for people who were being cheated or taken advantage yeah. of. And I think in a lot of workplaces, you know, that's a requirement. I've heard about people who have mm -hmm. had to, even if their company is going the route of an investment or a merger or something like that, that is going to take advantage of a group of people. Yeah. I've heard of Christians who've said, I have to decline from receiving the benefits of this merger mm -hmm. financially wow. because I can't in good conscience go there, but I understand this is the company that I work for. This is what we're going to do. Um, but speaking up, you, you might even change a deal from time to time or future deals by being that kind of person. So Esther had that going for her. Daniel, of course, is a great example of big Daniel over there <laughs> sort of paying attention when I said Daniel, not you, Daniel, biblical <laughs> Daniel. Not that you can't be a biblical guy, but you're not going to make it in the Bible. <laughs> but the biblical character, Daniel, whom our beloved Daniel is named after, I'm sure right. uh, that Daniel, you know, he had a spirit that said, OK, I'm going to um, uh, the character that I'm going to walk in is integrity. I'm not going to consume things I yeah. shouldn't consume. And I think a lot of us have to watch out for that in the workplace and this one can be really awkward. I mean, mm. it was going to be awkward for Daniel to be sitting there at the table with everybody else. They're eating everything that's available on the table and Daniel's refraining. Mm. That just makes him stand out. It, it makes him different. And yeah. we don't normally like to be different in those kind of ways, you know, totally. noticed in those kind of ways. Mm -hmm. But and, you know, I've talked to plenty of people during this series who just, yeah, you know, they shared with me how challenging it is mm -hmm. in their work environment. You know, oh, man, I work construction and just like the thing these guys talk about, yeah. you know, it's just so hard. It's like I have to excuse myself yeah. all the time. And I'm not trying to uh, paint construction right. workers in any kind of way. Right. I'm just saying what's been said to me. I mean, I heard this from all different kind yeah, of everybody. walks of life yeah. and, and uh, work environments. 
So your integrity. Uh, Nehemiah was a guy who worked really hard when nobody was watching Hmm. and um, really went to great pains to take care of the people that he was in charge of. Hmm. And so I think those are great attributes to add as well. Uh, But then I think if you just think about scripture, you know, attributes that scripture exalts, the people of Israel, you know, they were continually complaining. Yeah. That's something you want to get out of your work life and environment mm-hmm. is constantly being known as the complaining person. You yeah. want to be someone who's content and joyful, brings a positive spirit and demeanor mm-hmm. to the workplace. Uh, so, you know, I guess joy would be the attribute that you're trying to add there. Uh, I think definitely theft You know, Paul tells us that we have to put off thieving and instead become contributors, you know, but a lot of us excuse in the workplace time theft or, you know, small little theft of, you know, paper clips and things like that, you know, Mm -hmm. but I think the big one is time theft in our modern uh, time, you know, where people use their internet connection to just waste time that they're being paid for. And that's so unbecoming of a Christian and a big temptation. So you got to take steps to eradicate that from your life. So, you know, I think pretty much anything that the Bible holds out as a, you know, positive attribute can be applied in the workplace in some way. That's so helpful to hear you talk about that because when you're, when you're saying all that, I'm just understanding that scripture is all encompassing when it comes to our character in the workplace. We're not just focused on people, although we are, we're focused on pleasing God as well. A lot of the books and resources that I've heard from culture and society focus on either people or yourself, but there's no recognition of how God Mm. leads us through our work to honor him as well. And so it's just amazing how scripture has all these examples of good workers who care about their people, but about God as Mm. well. Um, So dynamic. One, one more that yeah, I throw please. in there, Riley, just as you're talking, I'm just thinking about it. I think that, you know, and, it, and I thought of it because you mentioned uh, other books and yeah. sources and materials that are not, you know, biblical or Christian in nature, right. but are just kind of about work or productivity yes. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, what's one of the common themes that you hear about in books like that? It's discipline. Yeah, and Totally. Christians have the po- the possibility, we aren't always, but we have the opportunity of being some of the most disciplined people on the face yeah. of the earth because mm-hmm. uh, though we have a flesh, we're born again. Yeah. So we have the spirit of God. So if we're feeding the spirit, we're walking in the spirit, we have the chance to overcome mm-hmm. a lack of discipline and really become focused, hardworking people who know how to say no to certain things. And that helps us get... Uh, a lot, not just accomplished and done for productivity's sake, but it keeps us moving forward yes. in our workplaces. So I think discipline is a huge one uh, that I would encourage any Christian to get in their lives. Amen. It's huge. I wanted to ask you about trusting God with your finances as well as a point that you mentioned yesterday. And, you know, we've talked about money on this podcast a few times and You've broken down a bit of a theology about money. And we're talking about work, but you mentioned yesterday that 
when we work, we are working for money, we're working to provide for ourselves and for our family. And I wondered if you might be able to just break down again, um, just in a fresh way, a theology of money, because man, it's just, I think it's helpful for us to be able to understand money from a biblical perspective. And can I, can I add like a sub point to the question? I'm like famous, I'm like infamous for asking like multiple questions, but a theology of money, but also if a Christian wants to make more money, is that sinful? Like inherently, is it okay to have goals to make more, earn more? Is that selfish? Is that prideful? Um, are we allowed to do that? So would you mind kind of talking us through a sure. bit about what money means to yeah. Jesus and sure. to us? Well, quickly on that last and final question yeah. that you asked of the 27 that you just threw at me, <laughs> uh, I'll get back to it. But just quickly, I would say, uh, is it sinful to want to make more money? The answer is not always. So mm. it can be. And it can not be. Yeah. Uh, so it depends on some things. But just because a person desires as a Christian to earn more, has uh, a plan for the future and goals that they're trying to attain to, mm -hmm. which would require them to make more than they're currently yeah. making, doesn't mean that there's sin in their heart for wanting that. If there's a covetousness attached mm -hmm. to it, yeah. if there's a lack of contentment attached mm -hmm. to it, if there's a continual griping and complaining attached to it, uh, I've discovered, you know, sometimes when a Christian gets that kind of perspective where they're just, they have angst about yes. what, where they are and they want more because they for whatever reason, think that is going to be the thing that, you know, really brings them joy. I've discovered God will kind of do one of two things. Mm. He'll either let them have it and discover how disappointed they yeah. still are. And within, for people like that, within six months, they got to have so much more mm. or God will just keep it from them and they'll be so frustrated that they're not advancing, but God's just not going to allow that into their mm -hmm. lives. But it's kind of like either way, the answer is not in getting more because you're not able to be content with what you have. Uh, but that doesn't mean that there's not space for saying, you know, I'm content. I'm God has provided for me. He's taking care of all my needs. I'm thankful to him. I do have these desires and goals. And I'm going to try, I'm going to work hard and we'll see what doors God opens yeah. in my life. Um, so a theology of money, I don't know that. I mean, I'm just <laughs> doing a little podcast here today, but, uh, I think what you're probably alluding to is the concept of, you know, how are we supposed to think about money Yeah, and is money good or evil? And I've, you know, said before money is, in one sense, money in the Bible is neutral. It's either used for good by good people, or it's used for evil by evil people. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes evil people use money for good things. And sometimes good people use money for evil things. It's just all about what you're doing with it at yeah. the time. Um, but what I mentioned in the teaching was that money is in another sense, always good because a monetary system helps us build a society. So if you just think about, I mean, I'm no economist, um, but if you just think about a way society is built, I mean, I'm just looking around the room right now. I mean, right now I'm looking in this camera, <laughs> 
if we were on a barter system, there's no way that this camera would be sitting in front totally. of us right now. Yeah. I could not go to the company that made this camera and say, I will give you a hundred Bible studies for this camera. Like they've got no use yeah. for my totally. sermons. Uh, you, you know, you're wearing your, your, uh, old Vans shoes. Old I mean, Vans. Uh, what year did you buy those things? You Bro, know? these mean, are just whooped. This, this might be like ninth grade. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, these are, you got your money's worth out of these. I fans. have man. Yeah. But when you went to them, praise God, we're on a monetary system. We have mm -hmm. a system so that you didn't have to go to them and say like, Hey, I got some eggs. I'll film some videos. How for many you. eggs, <laughs> how many chickens do you need for this, these vans, you know, like, yeah, because we've developed this monetary system, we're able to do more nuanced, cool things. Yeah. We're able to, you know, explore careers that are more creative mm -hmm. and, you know, help advance society. Yeah. So, you know, someone builds a house uh, there, you know, you're not going to do that if what you're getting is like, oh, here's a shirt that I weaved, you know? Like, <laughs> so this is, this is a, a good thing yeah. that we, it's as good. we subdued the earth, we eventually developed something beyond just a barter system, mm -hmm. developed a monetary system whereby we could exchange goods and services and develop a society like God told us to develop a society. Yeah. Now we can do that society developing thing in sinful ways, right? I mean, right. The Tower of Babel is a great example of that, but nonetheless, we're called to be fruitful, fill the earth. Um, in a sense, it's kind of like God created and then looked at us and said, now you do it. Yeah, It's, it's your turn. Um, so money helps us together accomplish that to a degree. That's awesome. I love it. A, yeah. great, a great book where you could see a lot of these concepts fleshed out. And I would especially recommend it to anyone who's in, um, in the business world, kind of in any sense. I mean, it's a great book for anybody to read, but it's called, it's very small. I think maybe 70, 80 pages called business for the glory of God hmm. by Wayne Grudem. And, uh, I think anybody that's in business or running their own business, um, in finance, you know, I think anybody would benefit from reading that book to get their head around the, the a theology of money That's good. better than I can do in, you know, three minutes on a podcast. Well, that was super helpful. I mean, shout out to Wayne Grudem. Yeah. That guy's awesome. That's really helpful. Nate, thanks for taking us there for a minute. The last thing I wanted to ask you about was trusting God when you're disciplined. And I thought this was a, really helpful point because you start talking about sanctification and discipline and how God di disciplines us and sanctifies us through our workplace experience. I know for me, the workplace has been an incredible space for God to get into my life and to show me things that need to be changed. And, uh, it's been really helpful for me, but I also know, and, um, maybe other people feel this way too, that when God is disciplining us through the workplace, that it can be easy to become defensive and to not want to accept what God might be trying to do in our lives mm -hmm. through that moment. And Nate, I was just wondering if you could maybe kind of pastor us through this a little bit. When we are experiencing some kind of discipline in the workplaces, God is trying to help us become more like Jesus through the workplace. And maybe we're resisting it because we're getting hurt or prideful, whatever it might be. How can we maybe more open to God using our workplace to discipline us 
Um, because sometimes it just feels like we're just getting hurt, you know, mm -hmm. like how can we see that God is really <laughs> trying to move wherever we're working? Yeah. Well, I mean, unfortunately I'm a, I'm a pastor of a local church. So, um, I've, I've always been encouraged every single day of my work life. <laughs> come on, come on. <laughs> I, don't, I, have, I have no idea what it feels like to not want to do it anymore. No, I, I, uh, you know, one of the things that, uh, that I try to tell, especially pastors yeah. that I am talking to or trying to encourage or coach up a little bit, or just friends of mine, when they're in a place of real discouragement or chastening yeah. in the workplace, uh, they're just feeling like they're being stretched. Um, you know, a lot of times in those moments, we begin asking the question, is this where I belong? Totally. You know, this is so hard right now. Am I supposed to be here? And what I, what I always try to tell those guys is, look, the, the reality is that some of these hardships over time might accumulate into a firm understanding, this is not the place for me. Hmm. You know, repeatedly, I'm discovering that this doesn't work. Yeah. Um, but my general counsel is, but if at all possible, you don't ever want to really leave a place in that condition. You yeah. want to le leave when things are good. You want to leave when you're leaving something healthy behind yes. and you're, you're balanced. You're in a good emotional state, you know? And I think I say that a lot to pastors, um, not a lot, but I say that to pastors partly because I love the church. And yeah. so I want what they leave behind to the next pastor to be as healthy as possible. But I think in a sense that principle might apply to other forms of work as mm -hmm. well that it's much healthier and more beneficial if we, when we shift careers or jobs, if at all possible, that we're doing it when we're in a good place mm -hmm. with our workplace and the people that are in authority over us. And we're in a healthy way, launching out in obedience to mm -hmm. God rather than in reaction to negative things that have happened to us. I already gave the caveat that there are times where the negative things accumulate so much that it just becomes apparent. There's really nothing more that I can do. Uh, but I think what you want is to be able to say, I gave it every effort. Yes. Now it's just a job. It's not a marriage. You know, this is what I'll say to people that are in marital difficulty. <laughs> yeah. Like, Hey, you want to know when you're 80, 90 years old, you want to know as you're looking back that you gave it every effort, that there was nothing that you left on the table. Yeah. You tried everything that you could mm. in your power and might to make that relationship work. Um, our workplaces are not that. <laughs> They're yeah. not a marriage. Yeah, They're totally. not the church. So probably take this exhortation that I'm giving right now and dial it back to six yeah. or seven. But... Well, I do think there's something there, you know, that you want to be in a good place. Um, but, you know, I think part of the answer to the question you're asking, like, how do I, how do I get to a place where I value that chastening thing happening in my workplace? 
Well, I think there's a couple more ways to answer that. One is you got to love the Jesus character so much that you're just thankful for the sanctifying effect of God on your life and thankful that he's using even your common workplace experiences to help turn you into being more like Christ. Yeah. So you got to love Jesus. He's got to be a big deal to you so that when you're being sanded down to look a little more like him, you realize, man, this hurts. I don't like that sandpaper, but I do like what it's producing in my life. I have hope in what's happening in my life. So I think that's a big one. I think another one too, is you just got to have a, uh, (laughs) you got to have a long range, uh, advancement, uh, Mm -hmm. mentality. In other words, um, do you want to get better at what you do? Because if you get better at what you do, you're going to get promoted. You're going to get paid more. There's going to be more opportunities. So I don't know what kinds of chastening Mm -hmm. you might be thinking of, but gosh, I mean, in the workplace, there'll be times where your superiors come and tell you that your work is subpar. And when that happens, you can either get hurt feelings about it and stay doing subpar work, which will keep you in that same position forever if they'll tolerate you. Or you can say, what do I got to do to stop doing subpar work? How can I grow? How can I improve? Mm -hmm. So I think that I think accepting or, or kind of thinking about this chastening effect as something that's actually good for our career long-term would be helpful. And then here's the last thing I'd say about this. We're talking about it in the, in the realm of the workplace, right? Mm -hmm. So a thing that I would say is to not just be a person that, all right, when God brings that discipline or chastening into Mm -hmm. my life and my workplace, I'll accept it. He's making me like Jesus. I know it probably is good for my career, but also why don't you more and more become a person who says, I want to pursue the chastening. Come on. I want to chase after it because I want to sharpen up. I want to sharpen up my skills, my character. I want to be put in uncomfortable situations so that I can become better and grow from where I am today. Now, a lot of this just can sound like a lot of try hard, you know, kind mm. of stuff. And yeah, that's why I tried to conclude the series the way that I did. For one, Jesus is the Proverbs three son who listened to the counsel of his father and trusted God with his whole heart and right. leaned not on his own human understanding mm. and in all his ways acknowledged God. And God directed his paths. He did everything in that passage. So when we believe in him, we get his position. So I'm not trying to preach that somehow through our work, we can attain to God's love or favor or his gladness over us. Mm -hmm. But because we already have that, uh, I think it's just great for us to respond to all that Mm. ridiculous unearned grace and say, so God, apparently like how I work, that's not, uh, you know, the litmus test for whether you love me or not, or how Mm. much you love me or not. You already love me. You've already chosen me. You've already adopted me. You've already accepted me. And you're wanting to do these things in my life. So I want to pursue 
that because Man. your love has been so insane, so wild towards mm. me. Wow. Know? Yeah. Love that. Man, that's maturity. That's grace and action. I love it. Nate, was there anything from this series where I didn't ask the question that you wanted to answer? Was there anything that you wanted to say that you haven't been able to say yet during this series? No, I don't think so, Riley. It's been great to talk with you about this. And, you know, I think putting this little four week study to bed, mm-hmm. um, I think I'm probably impressed with just how much I didn't say that mm-hmm. I would love to talk about at yeah. some point. You know, we, I think in our last conversation together, we talked about how it, we haven't taken a real like tips and tricks kind right. of approach mm-hmm. to the workplace. And I don't really want to do that kind of teaching, but there is something about the implications of Christianity of the gospel message on our lives that do produce some best practices Oh yeah. that if, um, maybe at some point I'll get into that a little Woo-hoo. bit more, you know, just kind of a workplace, like maybe a little appendix at oh, some point, on. you know, for the church. But, um, no, man, I'm, I'm blessed talking about all this with you and, and, uh, looking forward to getting into, uh, different books of the Bible here to come. <laughs>